0: Welcome to Lakeland's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Lakeland, please visit our website at lakeland.church. Hey, 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 welcome. How's everyone doing? It is, uh, oh, here, where where are we? There we are, there we are. Hey, welcome. Welcome to everyone here in person, everyone also joining us online, as well as everyone in VR. I got uh, Zach with me today, and uh, everyone say, hey, Zach. So you might be wondering, who is this guy? Zach is one of our missionaries that we support. He's over in the Czech Republic. And um, I think we're going to throw a picture of his family on up there so at least you can see.
1: it leaves again quick. Yes, there you go.
0: So you can see his family. But I wanted, since he's here in town for a little bit of time here, I wanted him to be able to at least introduce himself to you, and then you can hear a little bit about what they're up to. So, Zach, tell us a little bit about you and what in the world you do on the yeah. mission field.
1: Well, that's my family. Misha, she's Czech. She helps my street cred. Um, <laughs> and then Ali and Artie are our two little ones. The last time we were here in the States, Artie didn't exist. So, um, the, a, a little bit has happened in the last four years, right? Yeah. Um, but I like to say about what I do that I'm a, a football, American football, not this kind of football. American football coaching church planner in the Czech Republic. And my wife, uh, prior to Artie joining us, regularly would do brothel outreaches and help women get out of being trafficked in the Czech Republic. And we've been part of a church plan for a bunch of years now that has gone through lots of ups and downs. Yeah. And that's what we do. We, we seek to build movements of disciple makers And we wanna see disciples who make disciples who make disciples and so on. And uh, we're just about doing that and building community in a place where community isn't, the the sense of community isn't really a a present thing in the Czech Republic, so.
0: so. So young men, listen to me, you can be a football coach missionary. Yes. (laughs) yes <laughs> how how cool is that? like I know sometimes you're like, "I don't know, I love football. You can do something with yeah. that as a, as a mission so that's amazing
1: it's and- it's fun. I mean, if God would have ever told me when I was going to Lake Geneva Badger, where my dad was the head coach for about twenty years that I would play semi pro football and then end up being an owner and a coach of a team in Prague, Czech Republic that and that'd be my life, I would have been like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> um, but that's what I do. And, uh, and God is using a very extra, uh, a very ordinary thing to do extraordinary things in the lives of, of guys who've never, never, ever heard uh, the gospel and never really met a, a Christian before.
0: Yeah, yeah. So tell us a little bit about like, what are some of the big wins that you've maybe experienced over the last year or two?
1: Well, I think the, the, the last couple of years have been tough for all of us, right, with COVID and everything that was going on. So our little church, we went through a transition with the guy, he got burned out, and then we had another guy burn out as a result of COVID. And we've hung together through thick and thin, which is kind of a a huge praise to God, especially in a country where community is a present, and it's really devoid of faith. Roughly 89 to 90% of Czechs would say, I'm Czech, I'm an atheist. Mm -hmm. So to have a faith community continue through everything that all of us were going through globally uh, in a place like Czech is big. And most recently with the Prague Lions, the team that I coach, own, Um, We found a group of investors, mostly American investors, mostly Christians, which is crazy stories behind that. I could share with you all at a different time when I have more than a few minutes. Um, But God has just blown uh, this this up, and I've had so many opportunities to speak with irreligious Czechs as a result of it and irreligious Europeans as a result of it, and it's really fun to see how God, like I said, is using an ordinary thing of American football for extraordinary things uh so those are some big big wins we've seen over the last couple years yeah
0: and obviously you were just kind of alluded to it they may not understand but you guys just basically went from what would be the equivalent of the minor leagues to just became like a major league european yeah
1: it's it's called the european league of football and it has a half billion household reach globally league of football or elf Elf. (laughs) (laughs) yeah you guys can make fun of it i didn't i didn't think it up so, uh, in one of our prayer letter videos, when I was sharing about it, I actually superimposed elf ears on me uh, just to have some fun with it. You guys could you could make fun of it. I didn't come up huge. with it. But that's huge. It's huge. Like, I went from having just a little footprint in in Prague and in the Czech Republic to a European footprint and a global footprint. Like I said, a half billion households globally they reach via social media and et cetera, et cetera. So, it's pretty exciting yeah, and it's awesome. it's a big thing. And uh, yeah So, how
0: how can we be praying for you like what hurdles are ahead of you and how can we pray for you
1: obviously the biggest thing is like i had spoken of as far as the the culture that's devoid of faith you could just pray for the czech republic in general because most czechs they don't have any experience with people who know jesus who have been impacted by the gospel uh church to them even though you guys might look at some of the pictures stop by talk to us please Look at some of the pictures and see statues of Jesus everywhere, mm. beautiful, ornate churches everywhere. Um, That's like a fairy tale for them. Like, wow. it's, it's yeah, it's a fairy tale for them. So, they they need Jesus. They need to meet people who love Jesus and th- operate different. So, one of the things that I've always wanted to do in the Czech Republic, I know that maybe the guys I'm reaching out to, the, or g- girls that Misha's, Misha's reaching out to, they might not ever believe, but if we could impact them enough that they operate different, maybe their children are gonna be the ones to believe. And that's a, a huge shift that took place in my mind about 12 years ago to get to that marathon approach as opposed to the sprinter approach. Yeah. So that's a big thing you could pray for for us. And then our little our little church plant that we could get some more Czech leaders involved. Um, I've always wanted to be guy number two or one B or one C, not the guy. Yeah, yeah. Because especially in uh, the, the Czech culture, it's I don't wanna be... Being an outsider, I don't want to be the guy that's pushing everything. Yeah, leading it. Yeah, sure. So it's good to have a check doing that. You can pray for that. And then, uh, obviously, for these new opportunities with football, uh, yeah. it's, it's insane. If somebody would have ever told me that I'd be coaching against former NFL offensive coordinators or head coaches in Europe, I would have been like, well, what have you, you are you okay <laughs> in the head? So it's, yeah, yeah. it's, it's, it's really fun and a, an exciting opportunity. And lastly, um, even though all these big things are happening, I'm still a missionary we're still raising support, so you can pray for some monthly support. Our we're, We've been taking care of throughout the, the pandemic and whatnot, but we always need yeah. to be working on yeah. that. So, so
0: if you want to talk with Zach, though, he'll be uh, available right after the service, right out these doors. He's got a table set up there. Uh, you can also find him online, zachherod.com. And, uh, and uh, I don't know who you root for, but now you can also root for the Prague lions this is true right
1: and maybe i, I could stop by again and have some merch some guys yes. are like you should have had merch here for sale if we would have had merch. i don't have merch yeah. yet it's a new logo completely we it's awesome it's really we cool We didn't catch look up with enough
2: so. so
0: everyone thanks zach for being with thanks us today guys. Yeah. Thanks, tyler tyler do you have an answer uh jesus correct Thank you, Tyler.
1: Who can tell me what a flux capacitor is?
0: Is it Jesus? Jesus. Trust me, Mr. Garvey, the answer is Jesus. No, it's not. Tyler, we need to talk about something.
1: We all know you've never been a very good student. Have you been cheating?
0: All right, all right. Here we go. Uh, Week seven of Jesus Over Everything. A couple things before we hop into uh, the message today. Reminder, Operation Christmas Child boxes needed to come back today if you forgot them. Um, here's what you can do. You can still load them on up and bring them here. We'll be here tomorrow. You can obviously drop them by during, any, uh, during our office hours. Um, but make sure to get them here. If you had taken them and you didn't bring them back, make sure to do so. Also, next week, as we finish up our series, Jesus Over Everything, uh, we're going to be having baptisms in our service. And we've got a, a few people already lined up for that. If you've never taken that step in your faith journey, and you are interested in talking with someone about that, or just kind of exploring that, we'd love to talk to you about what that's all about. It's about taking your faith public and declaring to the world, I've put my faith in Jesus and I want everyone to know. And uh, so if you haven't uh, done that before, let us know or contact us. You can swing by next steps here in person or email us at nextsteps at Lakeland.church. Nextsteps at Lakeland.church. But that'll be happening next week, okay? Um, today, as we dive into the message, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have us, you want to play a little game? We're going to play a game together, okay? You all up for this? Are you awake? Okay, we're going to play a game together, and it's really simple. It's this or that, and you just have to pick one, this or that, okay? And there's no explanation really around it. You just got to pick one. So whether you're uh, even at home, raise your hand with us. If you're in VR, raise your hand, this or that. So a starter, ketchup or ranch? Ketchup or ranch? You just got to pick one. I'm not asking which one do you prefer or you like more. You just got to pick one, okay? Ranch or ketchup or ranch? So how many are going to go with ketchup? Ranch. Ooh. We a, a ranch crowd here. Interesting. Our nine o'clock was pretty even. All right. So phone in the bathroom or no phone in the bathroom. Okay. I'm not asking once again, what do you do? I'm just, we just got to pick one. Okay. This or that phone in the bathroom. You all take it in there. I know that now. Okay. Or no phone in the bathroom. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Gross. All right. Uh, crunchy peanut butter or smooth peanut butter. Crunchy. Smooth, smooth habit. Apparently that's, that is more popular. All right, bad breath or body odor? I'm not saying either of them is good, but you gotta pick one, okay? This or that, bad breath or body odor. Who's going bad breath? Body odor. <laughs> Some of you didn't pick. You need to pick, okay? All right, uh, air guitar or air drums? Just, just pick one, I don't know. Air, air guitar. Air drums. (laughs) All right, nice. Uh, Convertible or truck? Convertible? Truck. (laughs) Wow, that's pretty even split here. Uh, Passenger or driver? (laughs) Passengers? Someone sit back, relax. Driver? All you control freaks? Okay. (laughs) We have Celebrate Recovery for you on Tuesday nights, and uh, we'd love to see you there you can work through your, your control issues. Uh, vacation or staycation? How many of you are going to vacation? How many of you going to stay home, staycation? All right, a few of you, nice. Uh, all right, uh, morning or night? Who's, who's our morning people? How about night? That's pretty even split. Um, all right, uh, Chick-fil-A or Culver's? I don't know what happened this is happening at the nine o'clock where everyone's like Ooh. like what <laughs> i don't understand it's like just make, like I, I don't know i guess they're both like good in your opinions and you're now having to pick really chicken or burger so chick-fil-a how many chick-fil-a people culvers See, I, i'm gonna go culvers because i get the ice cream at the end when you get the kitty meal okay um the beach or the mountains who's going beach Who's going mountains? Okay, more, more beach people here. All right, don't get this wrong. Coffee or tea? Okay, coffee, tea. I don't understand you people. All right, bears or packers? Bears, packers. Oh, it's like pretty even split here. It was not even at the nine o'clock. I was like almost tarred and feathered in that moment, you know? No, and then we've got like half of our staff there, that actually, they are Steelers fans, and they're all, oh, the sad Broncos fans. Oh, we just feel bad for them. Uh, but anyhow, you know what's fun about it? This is just like silly and fun for us to kind of pick uh, different things, but what's kind of crazy about about that is that we kind of historically and culturally, we as as humans have the tendency to form up sides and divide really quickly, to like hold our ground and like not budge an inch. And in this series, Jesus Over Everything, today what we're going to be talking about is what does it mean for all these natural divisions that just kind of exist in culture and in life? What, How does Jesus shape that differently for us as a church or for those who claim to be children of God, or claim to be Christians, what does it mean for us? And so we're going to pick up this week right where we left off last week on the same verse, Colossians chapter 3, verse 10. This is what it said. So a little reminder from last week. "...and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge, in the image of its creator." And so last week, remember, I was taking off all these other clothes that hopefully remind us of the old self that we're taking off. I was putting on some things to remind us of the new self that's like perfectly tailored for us. Now here's the deal. This new self that we're putting on, it also, with it, it brings thoughts and knowledge that's in line with our Creator. Thinks like God. And so the question is, when we dress as he would have us dress or think how he would have us think, how does that impact things like division? Because in our world and in culture, culture's constantly trying to get you to pick sides. And what culture will do is, is say basically, hey, let's rally more people to our side so that we can quote-unquote win as opposed to ever consider how uh, someone who I disagree with might be a little bit right and how I might be a little bit wrong and how somehow we are going to come together in the middle. Uh, But as as Christians, we got to figure out this new way of viewing differences within the family of God. And so he's going to say, he's going to address in this next verse, verse 11, here are some of the divisions that people felt in Jesus's day. Here, there's no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Now, as we read this we're like, okay, there's obviously some differences there. You got to understand for the people in in this day that the apostle Paul was writing to, when he says there's no Gentile or Jew, that was like a mind-blowing idea. All these statements are kind of like would have caused everyone to cringe a little bit in The Apostle Paul's day when writing this. Because Jews were the children of God for thousands of years. And now all of a sudden, the message of the gospel is going out. And there are Gentiles, non-Jews, who are trusting Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And they're becoming a part of this thing called the church, the family of God. And he's going, hey, Jews Jews might have said, yeah, but we're a little bit better. And he's like, no, you're not. Like, that's what he's trying to get them to do. It's like, there's you don't have, like, an edge up over another group. Circumcised or uncircumcised, he's addressing some of their, like, religious habits or practices that have been part of their upbringing. He's like, now that doesn't matter in this family. Barbarian or, or Scythian, these were actually, like, um they were terms that would have been kind of crass terms that almost meant like savages because there were tribes in different areas that literally literally lived a more savage life and he's like hey when they come to Christ as well and put their faith in Christ they're not just because they were savages doesn't mean that you look down on them in any way slave or free this is like employee employee versus employer some might have viewed well i i'm in charge so i'm a little bit better But he's saying, no, Christ is all and is in all. The point is this. In Christ, there's no place for preferential treatment or division or contempt of anyone based on racial, ethnic, religious, or cultural status. We could say it this way for us maybe today. Is that in the family of God, as Christians... We don't define each other by black or white, Indian or Asian, Hispanic or European. There's not Republican or Democrat or independent. There's not uneducated or educated. There's not employer or employee. And in terms of religious background, there is not Lutheran or Catholic, Calvinist, Wesleyan, Baptist, Pentecostal, Reformed, Congregational, or non-denominational. No, for if we proclaim that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through him, then we are all united in Christ. On, Does that make sense? This is what he's driving home, that these things that, that naturally divided you, you can't allow them to divide you if you have all put your faith in Jesus. Now, it doesn't mean that our unique backgrounds don't matter. Your, your ethnic background, your racial background, he's not saying that, that those things don't matter. They do. The uniqueness of what God is pulling off in this moment is he's establishing a new people under his kingdom, and it's not about doing away with what makes us unique. It's about the unity that we can have with our uniqueness, that we can be unified and yet be very different. Does that make sense? Culture and I think and the devil is pushing uniformity. Uniformity is about sameness. But God in this and in the apostle Paul in this, he's not pr- preaching uniformity, he's preaching unity. And those are very different things. The devil's always trying to mimic something that looks good, but at its crux is entirely corrupt. And that which the devil is trying to mimic is unity, but under the banner of uniformity. With the message of inclusivity and tolerance, but uniformity is about sameness. And the kingdom of God is not about sameness or uniformity. It's about diversity in and with unity. Does that, does that all add up? That we all carry these incredibly unique traits into the family of God, And yet we can have unity. That we can be this large, kind of multi-ethnic, incredibly eclectic, and incredibly unique family, and yet still be united. I feel like like you're going to make me work today, aren't you? I just saw someone go, yes, yes. (laughs) Come on with me. It's not always natural, though, for us to be unified especially when we are very different. And so we have to show each other something different that he's actually helped clothe us in. So this is the next verse. So he says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself. So he's like, this is what you're to put on. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Meaning, you're gonna need these attributes to be on display if this whole multi-ethnic, multi-eclectic, or, or massively eclectic family is going to work. We're going to need these attributes. And I love the illustration of clothing yourself, because clothing is something that you can just outright see. Like, there it is. It's, it's on you. One of the things I love about uh, Sundays in the middle of football season is when people come walking in in, like, jerseys, and you see Bears jerseys and Packer jerseys and Steelers jerseys and Broncos jerseys and Lions jerseys and 49, every jersey. You can see, like, we see probably every team represented here. But what's here, what's interesting is no one roll, uh, like, comes to church and you, like, just rolled out of bed and you accidentally ended up in that outfit, right? Like, you purposely put that on because you're walking in to be like, this is who I'm rooting for. Like, the good, the bad, and the ugly of it all, you're like, this is my team and this is who I'm rooting for. And It's on me for everyone to see. Like, it's incredibly obvious. Now, here's the deal. He says, clothe yourself in these attributes. And my question for you would would be this. Do we actually demonstrate or show kindness, gentleness, patience, all these attributes that he just described as obvious as a jersey? Like, as obvious as you walking in and puffing out your chest and being like, I root for so-and-so. Would people be able to look at you and be able to say, look at what's all over them? Compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. Are those as obvious on you as a jersey? Because they should be. Then he goes on, verse 13. Bear with each other. And forgive one another. If any of you has any grievances against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. This is huge because what he's going to do is he's saying, here's the things that I want to, you need to clothe yourself in. He kind of gives all these nice, loving, kind, you know, the feel-good attributes. Now he's going to say, oh, by the way, here's the, attribute that actually a handful of us have to deal with that might be the number one thing that actually breaks down unity in the the body of Christ. And it is this thing called unforgiveness. And so this family, if you actually want to be able to get along, you're going to have to forgive one another. Paul knew that this large and diverse eclectic family would regularly wound one another. And just like any family, it's often the wounds of family that hurt the most. Isn't that true? Like if, you're, if your neighbor yells at you, you'll probably get over it. If your family member yells at you, you will feel that deeper and longer. Why? Because they're family. And so it makes sense that when, the, when you are wounded from someone within the family of God, that it does seem to sting more. It is more painful. It hurts In fact, I've had countless conversations with people who have come up to me and they've said this statement. They've said, "So that so-and-so Christian, and then they go on to say what that person did that wounded them. And what they're doing is they're saying, like, they're literally questioning that person's salvation because that person wounded them. And my statement back to them is always the same. It's like, yep, that person, hold on, but they claim they're a Christian. yep. Because how, how's it possible that that person could wound you? Well, it's possible because we are broken individuals who sometimes do dumb things that sometimes hurt other people. And when it's within the family of God, it hurts more. But that's not a reason to question whether or not they're a Christian. Just, it's really an acknowledgment that they're human. And it, it's all the more reason that you should deal with it quickly and not let that thing linger because you're giving the devil a foothold in your life. It's necessary that you deal with it and deal with it quickly because the the wound is real. But don't question the person's salvation. I just want to say, yep, it, it happens. And so we have to be very purposeful to forgive. We love doing the loving things and we hate doing the forgiving things, right? And yet, I would argue that if you claim to be a loving person, you will be a forgiving person. That's a good statement there. You want to be a loving person? You will be a forgiving person. It will have to be a part of your journey. in fact, it is the greatest display of love is an act of of sacrificial uh, forgiveness that Christ did for us. This is 1 John chapter 4, verse 10. He says, this is love. You want to know what love looks like? Not that we love God, but that he loved us and he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. So you want to know what love looks like? Love in action looks like sacrificial forgiveness. He points to the cross and what Jesus did for us at the cross, where he laid down his life for us at the cross so that we could be forgiven as Love. And so I get it. You don't want to be loving? Well, then you're going to have to learn to be forgiving. It's the cross. It's the ultimate model of love and the ultimate display of forgiveness. God making a way to forgive us through Jesus, paying for our sins. Here's one way of looking at it. A few years ago, um, one of my daughters, she was outgrowing her bike and you've seen this before when a little kid outgrows their bike and they're on a bike that's, or their body is on this little bike and they look kind of like a clown. It's like, that type of thing. And, and I'm telling her, I was like, you need a new bike, one that you fit on. And she's like, I love my old bike. And I'm like, yeah, but you're not, you, you look ridiculous. You know, and it's time for you to move on to a bigger bike and it will be better and it'll fit you better and it'll be right and all this. Thing. So I was trying to convince her and she's like, oh, okay, maybe. I was like, but first, before I get you a new bike, you first have to give away your old one. You got to get rid of it. And Because I'm not buying a new bike and then you're just like, I'm going to keep both. Cause that's totally what she would have pulled on me, and I'm like, you're not having both. You got to get rid of the old one to get the new one. And so she like wrestled through it. She's like, but dad, can you please just give me the new one? Maybe I'll just keep the old one. Everyone, I'm like, nope. You got to get rid of the old, so you can get into something that you're actually made for and that fits you correctly. And so she did. She got rid of it. But here's the deal: in the same way, it was like heartbreaking for her to, and difficult for her to let go of that old to get the new. In in many ways. Forgiveness is often that way for us, where you've gotten so used to clinging on to it and holding on to it that literally you're you're like I I know what's better for me, but I'm I'm clinging on to this with dear life, and yet God's like, no, if you let go of that, I actually have something better that is you are fitted for, like you you it's natural you look right on it it's for you it's this thing called forgiveness and then what comes with it it, it, he describes in the next verses check it out in verses 14 through 15 when we actually forgive notice what we get to put on over all these virtues uh put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity let the peace of christ rule in your hearts doesn't that sound good Oh, that sounds nice. The peace of Christ ruling in my heart. But I want to hold on to my bitterness and my lack of forgiveness. (laughs) Right? The peace of Christ ruling in your heart, since as members of one body you are called to peace and be thankful. What happens is we can read this and be like, oh, that, that picture of love ruling in my heart and peace ruling in my heart, I love the picture of that. And yet we're clinging and holding on to, that wound that that person did to me, I'll never let him off the hook. And while you hear this and you long for it, you're clinging to the old. And he says, hey Noah, take off the old, put on the new, and you'd be clothed in gentleness, kindness, peace, patience, all these other things. And you're probably going to have to deal with that thing called forgiveness to everyone who's wounded you. Then he goes on, last verse here, verse 16. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. So it's interesting how he kind of ends this passage about unity. He's like, hey, want to know something that we're going to have to do? You're going to let the message of Christ message of the gospel and who Christ is, Christ, Jesus over everything, that's going to have to dwell in you richly. How are you going to get it to kind of take root? Well, teach and admonish one another. So we're going to teach each other, we're going to encourage one another. But notice, this, is, this verse is incredibly weird to me, honestly. Because notice how he says we're going to learn things and be encouraged through psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit, and singing to God with gratitude in your heart. So, at the end, kind of the, the, the exclamation point of this long paragraph talking about unity within the body of Christ, he seems to say, you want to know how you're going to best accomplish that or one of the ways that you'll best accomplish that? Is if you would sing together. What? Really? Yeah! He's like, he's like if, you, if you do these things, but do it through song... And as I was reading this, I was like, that is really, really weird. But here's what I want to do. I want to make the argument that God knew that there was something actually powerful in a song. I I think we're going to get to heaven someday, and we're going to discover that there was actually deeper meaning and depth and power in a lot of things that we just had no idea existed. And one of those things is singing, that there's something about a song that's actually just significant, that there's something powerful and unifying. About it. One of my favorite uh, movies is The Grinch That Stole Christmas. Uh, even the cartoon version of it, I like both the older, the newer, and the newer, newer. I, I love them all. But I love the, uh, that, that final scene. You know how it goes like uh, the Grinch has stolen all the gifts and the trees and the ribbons and the bows and everything. And he thinks that he has spoiled Christmas. And then he hears, kind of on the wind, a song. And, and, and you know how it goes. It's the, the words are, "It came without ribbons, it came without tags, it came without packages, boxes or bags. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas perhaps means a little bit more. And on the wind he hears:
2: "F." <laughs> Welcome Christmas, Christmas, right?
0: And, and it's like this like sweet moment where all the who's in Whoville, they're gathered around the town square, and they're singing with nothing. But their hearts are united. Why? Because it's not all the stuff that matters. It's like there's something about the song and us being together that matters most above everything else. And there's something even in that silly story that you we hear and we're like of course that's there's something unifying in that. And and that's I think it's still true for for so many things in our lives that that, that reality is still true that there's something that happens when we sing with one voice. If you've ever been to a a, a game or something like that, a professional game uh, and you hear the national anthems. Being, being sung. You know how it is. You're listening along and then all of a sudden that last verse and every voice starts to hum and then starts to sing and it gets louder into that great crescendo at the end and everyone's cheering. What, what happened? There's this unifying that happens around really just national pride. Have you ever been uh, in a piano bar and heard uh, the piano man sung? S- sing with me. Sing us a song, you're the piano man. Sing us a song tonight. Because we're all in the mood for a melody. And you've got us feeling all right. If you've ever been in a, in a piano bar and kind of sung that, and the whole place just goes, you just kind of like are in this amazing moment. And like, this is happening right here. We're all singing. We're all just laid back. And we're just enjoying this night. All right, let's see if you can finish this. I'm just a poor boy. Nobody loves me. Now nine o'clock did it better than you, but there were a lot more of them than you. So, uh, <laughs> but I, or 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 uh, oh, here I got another one. Or sing with me. Bye, bye, Miss American Pie. Drove my Chevy to the levee, but the levee was dry. And good old boys were drinking whiskey and rye, singing this. I oh, will stop there because I don't want to declare anyone's death. Okay. <laughs> If you've ever been in an in a auditorium or where that song is sung, and there seems to just be this kind of like, oh, everyone's arms go around, and like, yeah. it's just a sweet moment. Now, there's something unifying that happens in song, and those are songs about nothing. Now, what happens when we sing about something? Something that's divine or supernatural in nature. What happens? What happens when we light candles in six weeks from now and we sing silent
2: night, holy night, all is calm, all
0: is bright. See, I think in that moment it's beyond something sweet. I believe there's something supernatural that happens in that moment. There's the divine unites hearts in that moment in a unique way when our song is the song of jesus we saw this actually play out practically it was world war 1 it's 1914 christmas eve and the german troops are in one trench and the british troops are in another and all of a sudden the German troops start singing Christmas carols, Silent Night. And the British troops start repeating it back. And one tro- one guy bravely raises his head out of the trenches. And the next thing you know is these two armies that were pointing guns at each other come and they meet on the battlefield. And for one day, Christmas morning 1914, there's a day of peace right in the middle of World War 1. It's stated or said and recorded that the two armies played a game of soccer together. They gave haircuts to one another. They exchanged letters and pictures of one another. And it it was a day of peace. Why? What happened? Because somehow song about Jesus actually brought peace upon the earth. Right? There's something so profound in it. There's a song that I, I sing regularly. Often alone, but I sing it. It's childish, but it anchors my heart In Jesus. It's the song of Jesus, I feel like. Sing it with me. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus
2: loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me, yes, Jesus loves me, the Bible tells me so.
0: I love that song because it's so simple. It reminds me who I am. I'm nothing special, I'm just a child who's loved by a heavenly Father. I did nothing on my own accord to deserve his love or his forgiveness, but it's what he did for me in sending his son at the cross that I could be called his child. It's like it levels the playing field and it reminds me that he's got me. And there's something so unifying when our song is the song of Jesus. May the the richness of Christ dwell in you. As we encourage one another, as we admonish one another, songs, hymns, and spiritual songs. We're going to actually end by taking communion together. As you walked in, you should have gotten the elements. I'm going to encourage you to pull them out right now. If you're at home, grab some something that can represent the bread and the juice. If you're uh, in VR, grab the elements as well. And um, We're going to do this together, actually. So a little differently than how we've done this in the past. Um, So wait for instruction for us to collectively take these elements together. But when Jesus, it's interesting, are you aware that at the Last Supper, are you aware Jesus and his disciples sang together? It says in Scripture, they sang a hymn together. Because I think, once again, there's something in the song that unites their hearts. And Jesus took these elements at the Last Supper and he spoke new meaning into them. And he said, this is something that thousands of years from now, the people of God are going to remember the work of the cross. What love really looked like on display through this sacrificial act of forgiveness. And this work of what God did for us. It's this reminder as we come to this that it's nothing that you or I did it's everything that he did it's nothing that I can do to make myself right with God it's what he did for me and that I put my faith in him and that we take these elements to remember his great sacrifice that he made for us and so I'm gonna uh the, we'll start with the bread but before we take it together I just want to give you some time to just do some business with the Lord The Apostle Paul challenged the church in Corinth, examine your hearts, he said. Examine yourself whenever you do this. It's a great opportunity to just say, God, is there any wicked way in me? Is there anything that's broken my relationship with you? Is there anything I need to ask for forgiveness for that I need to receive your forgiveness for? What do I need to do right now? Just get right with you. And we're gonna sing together and we'll take these elements together. So just wait for some instruction, but i you just take a little bit of time here. Just you talk to God about what he did for you at the cross. Remember that. Go ahead. now remember i get ready to take the cup i think about the profound impact of the blood of christ beginning of Colossians, Colossians 1, he says that at the cross, he reconciled all things to himself. It means because of the blood of Jesus, everything that's broken has been reconciled. So I start pleading the blood of Jesus over my children and over my family, over my heart, over my mind. that's you know, Wherever I've fought incorrectly, I plead the blood of Jesus over that. Over every sickness and people that I know who are sick, I plead the blood of Jesus over that. Because at the, at the cross... By His blood, everything was reconciled. So I just start to declare those things in prayer, and so I want you to take a, f- a few moments now, and you just start to declare these things as far as may that we see the work of the blood of the cross touch all these things in my life. took the cup, he said, This represents or this is the blood, my blood in the new covenant. Whenever you take this, do this in remembrance of me. Let's take and drink. prayer. Let me speak specifically for some of you who today when I talk about forgiving someone that hits so close to home because you know you haven't. I would really challenge you just join with a prayer partner today. Come on up to the front and they'll just kind of guide you through just releasing that person, whoever it is, and forgiving them. Same thing online. Uh, if you need prayer, our prayer partners are available online. If you want to give at all, there's boxes in the back. There's ways to give online as well. Be blessed. Thanks so much for being with us, and have a great Sunday. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. If you'd like to partner with Lakeland in helping people follow Jesus, be changed by Jesus, and commit their lives to the mission of Jesus, you can contribute to the mission by visiting
2: Give.